Welcome back, everybody. It's the Razball Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I am B-Don, joined by the man you want to hear from, the Fantasy Master, Lothario, Gray Albright. How you doing over there, Gray? I'm um, good. Better. Feel, feel, feeling good. <laughs> feeling like I, uh, I'm, on, I'm on the mend. I've gotten rid of COVID, and now I just have bronchitis. So, yeah, things are, things are getting better <laughs> relatively. <laughs> yeah, so you went from, like, hell to, like, purgatory. You know, you, yeah, you're stepping back yeah. into the world of the living soon. Yeah, yeah, so, soon I might have, uh, you know, I, I might have compa- uh, two uh, dual lung capacity. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> we'll see. I, uh, I feel like um, only Rudy was uh, truly able to understand fully how I uh, was feeling when I said uh, I told him that I was uh, feeling like in college I used to smoke Newport's uh, menthol cigarettes and that's and I uh, I wake up every morning coughing up a lung like I'm still smoking Newport's. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I've been better. I'll be honest. I, I've been better, but I've also been worse. Uh, fairly recently, I've been worse. So, yeah, I'm on the road to recovery. Thank you. Yeah, glad to hear that. I mean, is that how you and Coos met? You know, you were smoking your Newports. She's like, oh, hey, can I have one of those? That's my brand, too. <laughs> yeah. No, she smokes uh, 120 Virginia Slims. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that makes sense. All right. So let's talk about somebody who uh, has made his return to the hey, Let's talk about living. someone who is actually smoking. <laughs> <laughs> You like uh, that segue. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Thanks, Greg. I appreciate the help with that. Uh, Jacob DeGrom has, has returned. He's in his two starts, 10 and two-thirds innings, 18 Ks, one walk, three earned <laughs> runs. I mean, he's just he's, – he's Jacob DeGrom. He's amazing, right? Yeah, man. You know, like I was uh, – I was watching him on Sunday. Uh, we're recording this on Monday. I was watching him on Sunday, and I was like, "Is this the best pitcher ever?" <laughs> that's, and that's like, and that doesn't feel like complete hyperbole, you know? Like when you're when you're watching a guy, and you're like, "Is this the best pitcher?" Ever, <laughs> it feels like that feels like hyperbole. But when you're actually watching Degrom, it doesn't feel like hyperbole. Like that's like how good he is. It's just like so incredible how well his pitches like just completely fool very good hitters. I mean, the, the Braves are not a bad team. They're not a bad offensive team, and Degrom was just mowing them down like it was like nothing. I mean, it was it was really and incredibly. It feels like, and this is, and this just this in our in in uh, this uh, Degrom. Uh, is like the guy that is like that I'm saying this about like not past the Groms like there's there's been like somehow he has managed to become like this better Degrom and he was already like <laughs> amazing like he was already like wow can this guy get in the Hall of Fame with only like a thousand innings pitched in his career <laughs> and like only like 75 wins to his name. Like, is that possible? And somehow each year, it's just like again and again, he becomes better and better 
Like, his stats are just so, like, it's just amazing. Like, if you look at his K per nine alone, like, it goes from, I'm going to read off his last uh, six K per nines, his last six seasons of K per nines. 10.7. Excellent. Excellent. Next year, 11.2. Even better. Uh, And then 11.3. A little bit better. Then 13.8. <laughs> now it's getting absurd. And then 14.3. Now it's completely absurd. And this year, in only 10 and two-thirds, but still this year he has a 15.2 K per nine. I mean, and the walk rates just get progressively better too. It's just like, it's insane right now how well he looks. Like his slider was completely unhittable yesterday. Like, he's, like, basically like Bob Gibson with a 94-mile-per-hour slider that's just, like, off the table, out, out, unhittable. Just, like, he's completely unhittable. He looks like a, you know, like the, the top, the best closer in the game, but for, like, five to six innings. I mean, it's just really, it's truly amazing how well he looked yesterday. Um, but yeah, I don't, did you? I don't know if you watched him. What, any thoughts? No, I mean everything you said. He's he's amazing. Um, there's there's really, I mean, just to kind of bring up how ridiculous. I don't know if like reading off the K per nine does it full justice about like how ridiculous he was last year in his 92 innings. So he threw 92 innings. He faced 324 batters. 324 batters, Gray. He struck out 146 out of 324 <laughs> batters. He faced 45% of the people who came up to face <laughs> Jacob deGrom struck out. Like, that's how stupid the numbers are. Like, Hater doesn't have a year like that. Everyone knows... Everyone knows the problem, of course. It's like he is Icarus of, like, pitching. (laughs) He's like, he flies so close to the sun that he's only able to do this for, like, 75 to 100 innings each year. Like, it's just, I mean, that is not really, I mean, that's not really the best use of, like, you know, I mean, it's like, you have a pitcher who's this good and you want him for like, you know, a full season, obviously, but you have him instead, you have him for like 75 innings, maybe <laughs> it's just like, like that is not really like, it's just so bizarre to think like at the, um, you know, and he's already, th- he's 34 years old. I mean, honestly, I don't see, I don't see how he ever, gets to 100 100 wins (laughs) he's had 78 wins on his career so i mean just for like career perspective i mean it's hard to look at him and not think hall of fame but then you look at his stats and you're like i I mean he's he's had three years he's only he's only pitched for a full season three times in his entire career and one of those years he had a 3.53 ERA. It wasn't even like it was a good year. Don't get me wrong. It was his best year for wins. He had 15 wins. But like he has over the course of three seasons, 
He's has only twelve wins. <laughs> not, I, mean, I mean, it's not great. It's not great. I'll be honest. It's not. I mean, it's it's amazing. Like when he's on the field, and when he's on the mound, you're like, okay, this is like the best pitcher I've ever seen in my life, and maybe that's ever pitched a baseball. <laughs> but he only does it for like like fifty to seventy five innings. It's like that's not really like you know. It's like, it's hard to imagine, you know, just thinking about, like, 2023 and, uh, like, where he'll be in the top 20. I mean, there's a still, there's still, you know, almost two months of the season, and then there's the playoffs for the Mets. So if DeGrom pitches, you know, for two months and he pitches deep into the playoffs and he stays healthy for the rest of the season, then I could see him potentially, you know, people being in on him as like a, a top three to five starter next year, but like it's impossible to imagine like him really returning that value uh, for fantasy. I mean, he just doesn't pitch enough. Like he pitches so well when he pitches, but it's just there's just not enough quantity. Yeah, I mean that's how it's been the last few years. I mean before that, in those three seasons that you're talking about, he had 200 innings and he. He was an absolute workhorse from, you know, 2017 to 2019. Even, you know, 2015, he had 190 innings. But you're right. I mean, the last few years haven't, hasn't really been there. We know that's due to injury, but those injuries are just continuing to pile up. So per inning, like, he's amazing. The The numbers he can give you per inning are absolutely absurd. If you're making a, a run down the stretch here and you can get Jacob deGrom and you need some pitching, I feel like, you know, that's as good a bet as any to turn your staff around as, as far as that goes. But, man, as far as the full season goes, you're right. You have to kind of just assume you're getting at max, I'd say, 140 innings. And that's that's baby being generous as a projection. Um, I mean, he's going to look good yet next year in the Dodgers when him and Kershaw don't show up till August to do anything. Um but, yeah, that's true. Actually, yeah, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be shocked by that. Uh, I, I know, like you're half kidding, but I, I wouldn't I mean, be. shocked. It's a joke, but yeah, I, I kind of also expect these this to kind of happen. <laughs> like yeah. it, the yeah. Dodgers are a I team mean, that don't worry like about regular Dodgers, season. If I'm the Dodgers, or honestly, if I'm any team, so the Mets. I mean, the Mets have money, so I could see. I could see uh, Steve Cohen uh, throwing money towards Degrom to keep him there, but he. I mean, he honestly will get like probably, I would say, twenty-five to thirty million for like a one-year deal. Probably more. Yeah, with like you know, just like incentive on top of incentive to mm. see if they can keep him on the mound. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that's probably how it, how it goes for him. Um, I, I do wonder if like. Maybe he can just late late career Roger Clemens it just again like show up when he needs to and be ready to go. Um, but also that we were talking about how great he is in the Hall of Fame and it reminds me of a, another Mets pitcher who was a uh, first ballot off the ballot in Johan Santana who was equally as dominant as mm. as Degrom didn't have the innings. But yeah. ultimately, they they looked at his resume and said he didn't have the innings, and they couldn't he couldn't make the Hall of Fame. I, that seems ridiculous to me because I would take somebody who was dominant over five years over a compiler. But hey, I'm not voting, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah agreed. 
All right. Agreed. Agreed. You're not voting. Uh, no. <laughs> not, no. Not writing. Not writing a I'm not great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> fair. Fair. Fair enough. Uh, all right. So let's talk about some guys who are not not doing well right now, and that is two guys who were sent down: Framel Reyes and Ian Anderson. I mean, we had high hopes, or at least I did, for both of these players. Anderson, just for pure innings and the numbers to be good. Fran Mill had a massive season last year and just assumed kind of that the, uh, you know, even with the plate discipline issues, the, the eye was always good and the power was always there. Uh, the eye wasn't good. The power wasn't there. He was just awful this year. Yeah, no, you know, Fran Mill really kind of throws me for a loop because I, I do think he could still be good. You know, I don't I don't really I don't think he's done. Like he feels like a guy who could have like a second uh, a, a resurgence on another team like David Ortiz going from the Twins to the Red Sox. Like that's that's how much I still really believe in Framel Reyes. I I truly think he can hit like 40 homers a year and 260 for many years. Like I I, I just am kind of shocked honestly that the uh, Guardians cut him. Um he just feels like a guy who just needs a little like a little tweak or something like I don't know I don't know what's going on with him like his K's like you said I mean his strikeouts really are up and it is concerning but he's had so many years even in the majors he's had years where his strikeouts haven't been that absurd where they were like around 28 percent so for it to balloon up to 37 percent strikeout rate I don't know man I think there's there's something going on there I don't know if it's an injury or if it's just like, you know, he's got the uh, the batting yips or I, I, I honestly I have no clue. I don't I don't know. I haven't really uh, paid attention to like uh, what's going on with him uh, specifically, but I got to think it can be fixed. I mean, he's still young. He's 26 years old. Ah man, yeah. I would if I were any any team. I think would be uh, well served to uh, grab Framil Reyes. Please, uh, Cubs. Please, Cubs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I really, especially with the DH across the NL now. I mean, any team could grab Framil and really get like a solid five hundred and fifty at bats from him. And just about any team, I think, could use them, too. Like, there's very few teams that uh, wouldn't need that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully he uh, latches onto somewhere. Um, either that or he's going to hit 75 homers in uh, Japan. <laughs> he's gonna, and then he's going to come back in four years and people will be like, hey, remember him? I bet he's uh, going to hit 30 home runs again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um Okay, so anyway, so uh, Ian Anderson, though, I didn't really like Ian Anderson coming into the year. I thought he was, uh, I thought he was a little bit overrated. I I was telling people not to draft Ian Anderson, even though 
in my NL only Tower Wars team, I did draft him <laughs> inadvertently. So that was fun. Uh, yeah, that team's a mess. <laughs> it's a really bad team. I didn't do uh, I didn't do so well in my uh, Tower Wars team this year, unfortunately. Anyway, Ian Anderson, I think his uh, you know his previous year, you know what I, you know what I'm gonna say, uh, Tuki Tuki Toussaint. <laughs> That's the way the Tukey crumbles. Uh, yeah, I think uh, Ian Anderson and the Braves starters, man, I don't know. The Braves rookies, they come out of nowhere, they do really well, and then they just, like, disappear just as fastly. Uh, just as fastly. That's a, a good a good use of uh, a fake word. Um, just as quickly. So, yeah, I think Ian Anderson... I, I don't know. I mean, he he was a decent prospect coming up, so maybe he could figure himself out. The problem with him was, like, even last year, his command was really bad, and he didn't have, like, great strikeout numbers. So, I mean, it was always kind of like – I felt like Ian Anderson was, you know, a guy who – he overperformed last year, and then he kind of underperformed this year – but it sort of evens itself out, and he's sort of he's like basically an eight point, you know he's he's essentially an eight and a half K per nine, bad walks, uh, four ish uh, walk per nine, and a uh, a four ERA guy right now. I mean that's sort of that's where he's sitting on his career uh, numbers, and that's kind of what he is, which is, I mean that's probably usable. For real baseball, if he figures it out, but yeah, in fantasy, it's not it's not so great. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we've talked about Ian Anderson before. It's really like the velocity's down almost almost a mile per hour off of where he was sitting most of last year, and that's I mean, the difference between ninety four, ninety five, and then ninety two, ninety three. That's a big difference in the batter's eye. So that's that's really where I think Ian Anderson can return to um, usefulness is if he just gains that velocity back, I think that makes a big difference. Because as you mentioned, he's not pinpoint control, so he kind of needs that velocity to miss the bats when he does kind of miss his spots a little bit more. Um, and with Fran Mill, like, all the numbers look the same. Like, he's hitting the ball equally as hard. There's not something weird with his launch angle, his fly ball, his line drive, his ground balls all the same. Like, the numbers are pretty much like similar to what he's done the last three years across the board. So I do feel like there's definitely an opportunity for Fran Mill to buy low. Um, I think if you're looking in, in dynasty leagues right now, while he's not on a team, I think you could potentially get a, a nice buy low offer in there. Um, the team who has him definitely is disappointed after this season. So just something to think about before he signs. And, and maybe if that's a good park, all of a sudden you can't get him. Yeah, agreed. All right, uh, let's move on to after some that depressing talk. Let, let's go over to Jesus Lazarda, who is not depressing <laughs> at all. He's been great recently, Gray. Um, I mean, the Miami pitchers in general have been pretty phenomenal across the board. But, I mean, he just had a seven-inning, six-strikeout game against the Cubs, which, you know, doesn't really count as against the Cubs. But he's been he's been good other than one little start against Arizona – and then his his second start out against St. Louis was not amazing, but but fine. 
Yeah, his actually, his velocity, speaking of fastball velocity, his velocity has been up uh, so far this year, 95 and a half to uh, about 96 and a half. Um, his Ks look great. Uh, I think, you know, I think in retrospect, we're going to look back at this because he was always going to be a, a big arm. He was a guy who I think people were expecting to be an ace at some point. I, I think we're going to look back on this year and see it as like, you know, obviously a, uh, a bridged year, but a year when he really took the next step. I think he's, I think he's right on the cusp. If he can stay healthy next year, he feels like, like Lizardo feels like a guy who could become like a number one for part, uh, for part of the season and number two for, you know, a, a lot of the season and just like sort of bounce around between an ace and like, you know, a guy who really is like who becomes the next big thing, um, not quite at like. Uh, Sandy Alcantara, for instance, but like, you know, a step down from that, like a guy who's, you know, who's really, who's really good, um, just has moments of like, you know, where he loses it a little bit because his, his, uh, command is still a little wonky, but yeah, I think, I think Lizardo is just about there. Like he's, he's just like, just barely a, you know, maybe like a half step away from like taking that. Uh, that final, uh, you know, launch into that uh, stratosphere of guys where you're like, oh, I want him on every team. Like he's just he's just barely off of that, but he's getting real close. I, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I, I think he's I think he's about to uh, he's about to get there. Yeah, I mean, I I have nothing to disagree with here. He's looked he's looked great. Um, as you mentioned, the velocity is back. He's kind of tinkered with the the four seam sinker slider mix a little bit and I, I feel like he's kind of found the right mix to his stuff so um yeah i expect only good things for the rest of the season really from lazardo and uh yeah i'll probably be in on him next year that the k rate is amazing um he could you could definitely take a step forward it's really about him getting you know maintaining that spot in the rotation keeping control and then just uh just putting the innings up really Yep, agreed. So hopefully he can take that next step. Uh, I think at worst, like he's he's kind of like Robbie Ray with a better ERA, even if he doesn't figure it all out next year. So uh, like pre breakout Robbie Ray. Yeah, that's. I think that's a yeah, that's good. I was searching for a good comparison. I think that's a good comparison. Like really, like real close to the breakout, but not quite at the breakout. I I would I would I would put that on him. I don't think he's like the command. The command needs to come down to like two and a half, and right now it's over three and a half. So it's a little bit out of control mm-hmm. for him for me to say like he's he's going to be a total ace, but he's real close, like real super close. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's going to click at some point. It may not be this year. It may not even be next year. But it, it, he's. I think he's going to be a great dynasty asset to acquire. Um, if somebody's making a run and you can grab him because of the walks and the potential for blow up, um, a guy that I thought was kind of ready to take uh, again, I think it was I, I had him at the, the level you were talking about, where like not an ace, but like yeah, he's he's really good player. If he's on every team of mine, he's my SB two or three, like an SB three. That's great. Is Reed Detmers? Um, 
he did not start the season so great, but since going down and coming back up, he's had five starts. He has a 1.16 ERA, a 0.94 whip, and a 32.5% K rate. Gray is Reed Detmers finally the guy that I drafted months ago? <laughs> Yeah, right. I know. It's like uh, I if I could only if I could draft players and then just get the best version of them versus <laughs> versus what I actually get, <laughs> which is like a mix of terrible and a mix of OK and then a mix of good. And then you get a little bit even of great and then it goes back to good and then it goes back to really terrible. <laughs> That's the that's the problem with the fantasy baseball. You don't you only get you don't get just the good stuff. You get all the you get shit. all of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you get all of it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the uh, you know my problem with Reed Detmers is like the fact that it took us you know in, into the middle of the season to see him pitch this well. That like at any point could he revert back to what he was like? That's that's my that's probably my biggest um, you know concern with him is that at any point he's gonna revert back. But yeah, I mean he looks great. I I was kind of like um, you know I wasn't completely sold because he did burn me pretty bad in the first half as I'm I'm sure he burned you. Uh, mm-hmm. So I wasn't really like you know anxious to jump back in on him. But yeah, since he returned, I mean, he looks like exactly what we were hoping we would get from him. I would, you know, I would say, I would venture a guess and say that there's still going to be some up and downs with him. I don't, I don't think he's completely there yet. I, uh, I, I worry, you know, anytime a guy can get that good, that fast, I worry that like, you know, it's going to, it's going to revert back. Like you look at like guys, you know, in the past that have been like really amazing and then have sort of reverted like Blake Snell, for instance, like, you know, you, you expect Blake Snell because he was able to be so good for a whole season. Even he won a Cy Young. You would think he'd be able to fix whatever's broken when, when something gets broken. But as you see with him, I mean, it takes months for these guys to fix stuff sometimes. So yeah, I think Detmers is going to be good. I, I really like him. I, I just worry that it's going to be a little bit more up and down than we're seeing. Yeah. I will say the fastball has, has gained the movement back. So that's nice to see both, both horizontal and vertical movement has returned to the fastball. So I think that's definitely benefiting him. Also, in he's gone very heavy breaking ball. He might have even adjusted his breaking ball because, like, he always threw the curve. That was always the like his pitch was the curve. He had like, kind of the show me change. I think he tried to like incorporate the change a little too much when it's not a good pitch. And I think now he's really leaning on the curve slider mix to do everything, which is really how he did it last year. He didn't throw changeups last year. Like it just didn't happen. I don't know if somebody taught him one or he just got confident in it at some point, but the changeup is not a good pitch. I'm, I'm happy he's ditching it again. Um, so yeah, I do think the adjustment is real in regards to he needs to just stay away from the crappy pitch, which is this changeup. And if he can throw the three good pitches he has, and his fastball is going to move better. There's really no reason that he can't continue to be good. I'm not saying a one one six ERA good, but uh, you know the guy that I told you we were going to get at the beginning of the season. 
Yeah, I think the uh, I think that's all uh, pretty spot on. I think uh, his slider is uh, supposedly. I think his slider is really the the pitch that's making the the huge difference in his uh, after his recall. Um, and uh, yeah, he, he's it's you know it's working for him. So hopefully he keeps the right pitch mix and he's able to keep his arm slot and everything yeah, works. At least out. on the slider, almost thirty five percent since his return. So definitely leaning on the slider fastball combo and the curve again is still a solid pitch. Like the curve is is not something he, I, that I want to see him get rid of. It, it's just a different offering. Um, but yes, please get rid of the, uh, rid of and keep rid of the changeup Reed Detmers. If you go back to throwing it 15% of the time, 20% of the time, I'm just going to have to call you and tell you again. Derek Hall, <laughs> is he for real? Is, is, is the Oats, is it worth going to the barn for, Gray? I mean, and AAA this year, 20 <laughs> home runs in 72 games, 8 home runs. So far, the majors in a very short time. He is on the short side of the platoon, but hitting it consistently in the heart of the order four through six are we interested in Derek Hall and say anything deeper than like a 10 team league yeah I think so (laughs) I uh you know I I think he's a lot of uh you know he's got the actually the Phillies in general they really uh, seem to develop a lot of guys who just hit the ball in the air and <laughs> nothing else. <laughs> I mean, I guess Alec Baum isn't quite that, but Reese Hoskins. Reese Hoskins, totally they is. went and signed Schwarber, who's that is all he's ever done. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they like they like fly balls there. <laughs> Which is you know, I mean that's fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's a good park for it, I guess. Uh, yeah, I think Derek Hall is, uh, I mean, I, I think he's kind of is what he is a little bit. I mean, he has been, he's hitting for a better average than I thought he would be, but it's a little bit, uh, inflated due to, uh, Babbitt. So his K's aren't terrible. Uh, like I said, uh, he does hit the ball in the air a lot. So the average and the Babbitt are probably going to come down to that. Like he's probably closer to a, a 270 Babbitt guy, uh, uh, and a 245-ish average guy because he doesn't, you know, hit, like, the ball that well. It's more fly balls or nothing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think he's okay for, like, a corner bat in, a, I don't know, a 10-team mixed league feels a yeah. little shallow for him. I'd probably say, you know, I would, I, I could see him bouncing on and off waivers in a 12-team mixed league. He's definitely worth rostering in a 15-team mixed league. Um, it's really like 15-team mixed league or deeper, I would say, is probably the best spot for him. Uh, anything shallower, and you're probably going to be antsy to try someone different. Yeah, and it's hard to maintain platoon bats, even if they're on the good side of the platoon in a shallower 12-team. I know there's deeper 12-teams that kind of play like 15, so in those I do think he needs to be added. But, yes, I'm, I'm in agreement with where – he is. I kind of want to bring him up just to kind of say that he's more, you know, Reese Hoskins minus. I mean, Reese Hoskins has like top level power in the majors. Derek Hall's not quite top level power. He's he's very good power. All right, moving on. Um, we got a couple of catcher catching prospects, which I know are your favorite thing to talk about, Gray. 
our catching prospects. <laughs> uh, Joey Bart is actually hitting after his recall. He's hitting 280, five home runs, one stolen base, and just under 80 plate appearances. And Adley, not, no power yet, but starting to show off his hit tool in the last 15 games. He's hitting 367. Uh, in this, or sorry, that's in the second half. He's hitting 367, which was 15 games. So, yeah, that's still correct. Um, I know you'd hate, you hate uh, catching prospects, Gray, but does this give you some hope for maybe these guys next year as we start looking at uh, some catchers to, to maybe look for in uh, 2023 or maybe that we're trading for in redraft or keeper leagues? Or is this a great time to sell catcher because you hate it? <laughs> well, it's uh, with the trade. It's always a matter of whether or not you know. It's what what, yeah. what you can get. So it's sort of dependent on on an actual trade. Um, you know, I think uh, Adelaide Rushman is kind of interesting uh, because he was. I mean, he was a top prospect. So if he could hit, I don't. You know, it's like the the. The Orioles moved the uh, the fences out so much. <laughs> it's just so it's so bad. That park is so bad now. Um, but yeah, I mean, if he can hit enough for enough power, he should hit for a good average. I think he's probably going to hit like um, you know two eighty plus uh, next year, which is you know it's pretty good for a hit, for a catcher. So uh, actually, it's pretty good for anyone uh, in today's game. And he might, you know, uh, next year, I would say 15-ish homers, probably. 17, maybe. I would, uh, I don't know, project him. I would say he's probably going to get projected for like 15 to 17 homers with a 275 to 280 average, which sounds like, you know, maybe top five-ish for a catcher. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. It's not bad. Joey Bart, I don't have I, – I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't – he's hitting for – I mean, he's hitting for some power this year, which is impressive. But he's also awful for, like, contact. I mean, he's making such terrible contact. He's, he seems like he could potentially hit 180. I mean, the, the contact is so bad. He's like a poor man's – Gary Sanchez right now. I mean, I don't know. I, he's hitting for a better average than Gary Sanchez has in like a couple of years, but still, I don't buy his. Uh, you know, is that, he's hitting for a two twelve average on the year with a almost a forty percent strikeout rate. It's like that's not even sustainable at two twelve. I mean, that's like he he could hit one fifty with that kind of strikeout rate. So yeah, I don't know, man. I. I, I mean, you're saying he's hitting better recently, so that's good, I guess, uh, since his recall, like you said. But I don't know, sample size. I guess we'll see if he can keep it up the rest of the year. Maybe I'll have a, a little bit better, uh, a little bit more optimism for him next year. But right now, I'm kind of like, eh, it's okay. Yeah, it is a little limited sample as it's only been you know, pretty much the second half which is, you know, only been a few weeks now. Uh, but his, he has got the K-rate sub 30%, at least 28% in the second half here. So trending in the right direction, just something to, to monitor as we finish the season out. You know, the end-of-season numbers aren't going to be pretty, even if he hits 400 from here on out. The end-of-season numbers still aren't going to be pretty. But that's also something you can consider next year when you're 
league is drafting catchers again early for some stupid reason, and Joey Bart's sitting around in the very end of your draft. Remember that we had this conversation about him potentially making a change late in the season to his to his approach. Um, a guy who could probably use a a change to his approach as well. Uh, we know his tools are are like heavy metal, concert loud, but. O'Neill Cruz has struggled a little bit as as he's kind of popped up. That's not really anything crazy. We we knew that that was definitely a possibility given just the way he he approaches his at bats. But where are you at for the rest of season on O'Neill Cruz? And then as we're kind of looking forward to next year, are you going to be back in on him? Yeah, I think I'm gonna have. I think I think he's gonna be a hard guy to not be in on because of the power speed combo. It's gonna be so enticing that uh, I I mean the pirates scare me, the strikeouts <laughs> scare me, but still the power speed is totally really legit. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. I mean, his really like he is. So such a like incredible highlight reel. <laughs> he's like he's like he's like the human highlight reel for like you know a baseball. Um, I I mean it's like if you've seen him hit, uh, like he he's basically like he can hit a ball in the outside corner like 450 feet with little to no effort. <laughs> it's just so crazy how how much the ball jumps off of his bat. And then, you know, running, like, he's so fast. And it, it, seemingly without much effort, like, everything is so effortless with him. Um, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, can't make contact. The bat. Yeah. A, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's the, the problem is, you know, the contact is so bad that I honestly I could see him potentially being like a uh, – like a 30, 20, 220 player, <laughs> at least next year. I mean, at some point, maybe the contact gets better. But, yeah, I mean, that that is – I mean, and that's a really sort of – you know, that's a, a line I would take just about in any league. So I'm definitely going to be in on them. It's going to be hard to be super, like, you know, crazy high on them because of the contact, but – you're going to ha- I mean he's going to be the kind of guy that's like you got to take a flyer at least in one league and reach for him because he's just so exciting. Yeah, I mean if he ever figures out the contact part then the amount of damage he can do is going to be just stupid. Um let me let me get this from you Gray. Are we thinking for next year um we'll start with next year and then maybe move beyond that is O'Neill Cruz more Tatis, Javi or Rudnet Odor? Oh, man. <laughs> I'm going to say Javi, but I wanted to say Odor. <laughs> and, I had, and I had no inclination in saying Tatis. Uh, so yeah. somewhere between Javi and Odor is what we're looking at for next year. Do you ever think yeah. he gets to like the Tatis level of contact and, and patience? Are we just looking at like? Yeah, yeah. I, know, I mean, I think he's good. I think, like, is that the best? Mm, maybe, but he hits the ball so hard 
that he could potentially like sustain a 350 Babbitt and a, a 245 average over the course of like a full season because everything he hits yeah. is so hard. I I wouldn't be shocked to see him hit 240 plus on a crazy high Babbitt. Yeah, I mean he could he definitely do it the way that he just crushes the ball. He could pull. I don't know, like when Fran Mill had his like 280 season, like something like that where he's just crushing the ball and it, it, just finding spaces. Um, yeah, I don't know if I ever see the Tatis like 300 possibility with all the numbers that come with everything that Tatis is. Uh, or Acuna, if, you, you know, if you're not f- comfortable with Tatis because you haven't seen him this year, whatever. Yeah, I- I'm thinking Javi, but probably better than Javi, at least as far as the upside goes because – just the size that he has <laughs> is ridiculous. Um, another couple of prospects that haven't exactly been dazzling us yet are Riley Green and Jared Kalinick, two guys that, I mean, we we thought would come up and produce almost immediately because they had the contact, they had the bat, um, and they have struggled here so far. Riley Green starting to come around a little bit, hitting for some average, not so much for any power yet. Um, where are you at on these two former, I guess, now former, you know, elite prospects? Well, Riley Green, I don't think we can write off uh, anywhere near, like, yet. I think he's still got, uh, you know, he... I want to see Riley Green. I'm still going to be excited about Riley Green next year. I want to see Riley Green start the year with the club and, and you know, be as good as he can be. I, I think he, he can still do that. Um, Klenik is a, a little bit of a concern, though, at this point. I mean, he's, like, not even making fantastic contact when he – like, it's okay. Like, somehow he went down – like in AAA, his first time in AAA, he had a 15% strikeout rate. And this past time he went down to AAA, he had a 24% strikeout rate. So it's almost like some of his contact issues are even uh, carrying over no matter where he's playing, which is I mean, really kind of concerning. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm still interested because of the power-speed combo, but... It's like he's gonna have to fall next year if he doesn't like if that's like if he doesn't put together a huge um, final like six weeks, which I'd be kind of shocked if he does uh, at this point. If he did any, if he if he if he hit well over the course of a week, I'd be pretty <laughs> impressed at this point because he hasn't shown any signs of anything. So yeah, I mean, Kalanick is gonna be like. I, he's going to be a forgotten man in drafts next year, and I kind of understand it, unless like we see something in these final, uh, you know, uh, month, a little over, uh, you know, six, seven weeks yeah. or whatever. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. I, I think I'm probably still going to be a little bit more optimistic on Kalinic. Just again, the tools are there for him to be a very good player. I just don't know if it's going to when it's going to click. Or and, and honestly, I. I I kind of expected it to always be at some point it'll click, but it's been looking bad. But let's remember, he's still 22 years old, so he still has some time to figure this out. Um, Not writing him off completely, but I will gladly take the draft drop on him next year. I think this year he was going somewhere in like the 1 to 150 range. Uh, He'll he'll go after 200 next year pretty easily. Yep. 
Uh, Lucas Giolito is, is one of the pitchers that uh, we were kind of talking about earlier where the performance has been a little bit a little bit up and down and kind of has been throughout his career other than last year. Um, I mean, he's had another strong performance here, though. Trade, de- trade deadlines are coming up for our leagues. It's already passed for Major League Baseball, of course. Where are you at on Giolito rest of the season? And, I mean, while we're here talking about just the most mercurial pitchers available, let's talk about Blake Snell. I mean, we mentioned him earlier. He's had three good outings, and really he's been pretty good since since July turned over. He's had a 2.56 ERA. Whip's still high at 1.2, but he's at that 37% K rate, which is old-school Blake Snell. Where are you at on these two guys who could seemingly give you five great starts and then just blow all that to hell? Speaking of the trade deadline, I saw that uh, you sent me a trade offer of uh, Dylan Cease. Uh, I send you Dylan Cease, and you send me Kyle Schwarber. Yeah. And I, I declined it, and it asked me if I wanted to give a comment, and I said no. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't even know why. I didn't even look to see if that trade would help me. I think it definitely <laughs> would help you, but that's okay. <laughs> I like I like Dylan oh, Cease. I, I mean, Dylan he's Cease. got the mustache and everything. I mean, you you can't be you can't but be trying to get Dylan like, Cease off. Of it's an RCL. In the other league, he carries so much more weight than he does in an RCL. I want. I'm going down to the ship, and Dylan Cease is going down with me. Yeah. So great. I both won't address our issues, and we'll just we'll just see who fights for the last points. And I'm not addressing any issues. There's no issues to be addressed. <laughs> I'm I'm losing this league, and I'm going to lose it with Dylan Cease. Uh, uh, okay. So anyway, uh, Blake Snell. You know, um, honestly. I had forgotten uh, about Blake Snell being so good in the second half last year that now that he's starting to do well this year in the second half, I'm like, oh, is that a thing? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't like that whole like the splits thing is always so weird to me because it doesn't really make any sense for a guy to be like better in the second half. It's like. Are you just not trying in the first half? <laughs> what is that? What is that? It doesn't make sense, but I don't know. I mean, Blake Snell seems like a total dipshit. So maybe maybe that's what his deal is. Maybe he's just good in the second half uh, eventually when he figures things out. Uh, I don't know why that would be because, you know, we've seen really good stretches for him from over a whole season, but – yeah, now he's he seems really flaky. Um, so yeah, I mean maybe Blake Snell is is good now uh, for the last you know six plus seven plus weeks. Um, so Giolito, for me, Giolito feels like a guy who's just being like he's a little bit unlucky. Uh, I I I still think he's a buy low. Like I, he seems to me like a a three and a half ERA guy who is just getting unlucky and has been, like, you know, he's giving up a lot of homers, which isn't good. I mean, obviously, you you don't want to see him give up so much hard contact, but I don't know. I I, I still think, like, his ground balls are up this year. His line drives are down. And somehow he's still giving up a lot of homers, and his, uh, his Ks are fine. 
his walks are a little bit up, so his command is a little bit off. But yeah, I I think Giolito's I think Giolito's still like a uh, you know potential like bottom low low number one, like maybe maybe more of a number two. But I st- I still think that potential is there for him. I just think he's also really like pretty solid about getting to 175 innings every year. Like he's uh you know and for in today's game that's basically a workhorse. So yeah, I you know I think Giolito's still okay. I I, I don't mind Giolito. I think he's a buy low in keeper leagues. I would be looking to buy him, um, and then probably in redraft leagues too. If you know, if you need to take a gamble, I, I, I am a little bit concerned that he hasn't really, like you said, he, 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 he was a you know a couple decent starts here and there recently, but still. Only like I mean I forget now off the top of my head, but it was only like five and a a little bit over five innings. So it's not like you're seeing like the the complete game shutouts either. Like he's not like blowing people away. But yeah, I, I mean his numbers are telling me he's going to be better than he has been. Yeah, I think uh, I think I'm actually on the other side of Giolito. I think I'd sell him right now if I could. Uh, the velocity's been slowly declining on the fastball. Pretty much all season, which isn't great. Um, and then on top of that, like if you look at the matchups that he's performed well in versus the ones that he struggled, you start looking at him, you're like, oh, so, I mean, maybe it's good that they're predictable, so you just don't start him against good teams. But he hasn't, he hasn't really pitched well against a good team uh, since, like, May. So I just – it's good that you can pick and choose and you know which ones, but – also, if you're looking at a staff ace, I don't have to pick and choose my matchups with with a guy that I should feel comfortable throwing out there every time. Um, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I I'm probably being a little bit optimistic, uh, but yeah, I mean you're you're making decent points. I think I think maybe I'm being a little bit optimistic by saying a low low number one. He's probably closer to a a, a two or. Yeah, a, a, a mid two at this point. So yeah, I I think uh, I think you're probably right. right. And then Snell, I honestly have no idea. Like Snell could blow up tomorrow, and I'd not be surprised. Snell could be great the rest of the season. I know, like his numbers are all the same. Like I really have no good reading on Snell other than he's got a little bit of break back on some of his pitches, and maybe that's that's all he needed. But I, I just I feel like it's in between his ears. Like he gets that right and and gets his arm slot, and then things things work out. But there's really nothing in the numbers that, that say anything until it happens, unfortunately. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Bubba Thompson was called up uh, in AAA this year. He's had 13 home, run, or 13 home runs, 49 stolen bases. He's hitting 303 with a 25% K rate and just under a 6% walk rate. Uh, he's only hitting ninth so far, so only so much to get excited about from a runs and RBI perspective. Um on the Rangers specifically, but I mean, Bubba Thompson is a guy who could, who could turn the stolen base category around for you for give you a cut those much needed points, Gray. Yeah, no, completely. I'm, I'm all about Bubba Thompson right now. <laughs> I think he was also, uh, in my, uh, I want to say in my NFBC leagues with fab, uh, Bubba Thompson was like the top, the top guy off of, uh, fab this week. Uh, he was, he was the top, um, 
the the one people bid the most on. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I mean, because everyone needs at least one team needs steals in every league. Uh, in most of the leagues, that one team is me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I love Bubba Thompson. I think he's probably like potentially. I could see a scenario where because the Rangers are doing nothing and Bubba Thompson's just up to showcase what he's capable of. So, I mean, if he stole 15 uh, bases in like the final, you know, seven weeks or something, then, yeah, I w- it wouldn't shock me. Yeah. So that that's something, again, if you're looking for steals, there's at least half the league in your in your league is looking for steals. So whether it's to block or whether you need them, I mean, it's a it's a good pickup if he's not already grabbed. Uh, let's talk about one more pickup before we get to, or one more call up here, Gray, before we get into the bullpen and some waivers. Uh, Michael Massey was called up across Double A and Triple A this year. He had 60 home runs, 13 stolen bases, and he hit over 305 at both stops. At what league are you looking at uh, adding Michael Massey? Uh, none. <laughs> uh, no, I, I mean, he's probably a solid hit tool guy. So you're looking at someone who could potentially help you in average and maybe he can chip in a couple steals. He doesn't really have like that much power. I don't think. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, Casey isn't a great place to hit for power. So, yeah, I mean, I could see maybe taking a flyer on him in like a, I want to say 15-team mixed league is probably the shallowest right now for Michael Massey. But, you know, it, it depends on if you need average. I mean, there's worse guys maybe to take a flyer on for average. I think he's, uh, you know, he's a, a solid, like probably, I, I would guess, everyday you know, everyday middle infielder, everyday MI who might hit 290 plus. Yeah, I mean, you know, that could be something in some leagues. I, de- I can't imagine people are going to be that interested in like a 12 team mixed league, though. Yeah, I agree. Unless he moves up in the lineup, I, I just don't see it being worthwhile from just the home runs and stolen bases pr- production. Uh, and then if he's not moving up in the order, he's not going to give you the county numbers to go with it. He does have one game hitting second, but I believe that was a game where they were giving Witt the day off. So that's why he got moved up for that single game. Um, otherwise, it, it's really hard to see him kind of crack higher than six in this lineup, uh, even as bad as, as the Royals are. Um, they, they do have a few hitters they like to see at the top still. Yeah. All right, Gray, let's talk about some of the bullpens and, and some potential guys we can look at or some changes. What do you got this week? Uh, so in uh, Arizona, they said that they're going to go with a uh, closer by committee with uh, Ian Kenny and Melanson. So that sounds awful. Um, <laughs> sounds really bad. I Honestly, I don't know if. I would even be looking at either of those guys uh, in shallower leagues. In a deeper league, you do what you got to do. I don't know. I mean, you know, it's Sagnoff. So if you need saves, you go try and grab saves. I I think Kennedy right now is probably 60-40 in favor of Kennedy because Melanson's just been so bad for so long. Um, And then in Cincy, 
Hunter Strickland just keeps getting opportunities, even though he really sucks. Uh, Alexis Diaz is better. But I wouldn't be surprised if since he's worried about arbitration and, and having to pay Diaz, whereas Strickland is a vet, so they could just let him close and not have to worry about you know paying him ever. So I honestly, Diaz should be the closer, but I wouldn't be surprised if Strickland stays there as the closer. And then uh, one that's super sad for me to report on is uh, Clay Holmes. Just uh, he's, he's looked kind of bad for a couple weeks now, unfortunately. I, uh, in a 12-team mixed league, I've actually benched him for this week. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if Aroldis, uh Chapman is back in line for some saves in New York. Uh, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I think they just taxed Clay Holmes. They were throwing him so much all the time. Beginning of the season, they were doing it multiple innings, too. So, yeah, I think I think Clay Holmes just ran into the wall. There's a reason he's a relief pitcher, not a starter. Um, but, yes, I, I think he'll be fine eventually. But, yes, World Chapman could fall into some. Uh, Strickland has given up, I think, runs in four of his last five appearances. So I do think there is something to look at for Alexis Diaz, even if even if uh, they're worried about the arbitration. I mean, if, it's so hard to watch Hunter Strickland walk out there every time. Same with Melanson. I'll take I'll take yeah. Kennedy, but I I just I have no interest in rostering Melanson, even if I'm desperate for saves. It just seems like such a bad bad use of of your roster spot. There's also. Uh... Oh, there's also Jonathan Hernandez in Texas, which uh, randomly the Rangers uh, switched their closer. <laughs> just <laughs> I mean, they're just like they had Barlow there, and just like I don't know, let's try someone else. Like, uh, okay, <laughs> all right, guys. I don't know. The Rangers seem like a, a team that doesn't really know their ass from their elbow, but yeah. yeah. So they they have Hernandez. Matt Moore's gotten a save. I think Brock Burke's gotten a save. Uh, and then eventually yeah. uh, Barlow will be back, so it's just a mess in Texas. But yeah, if you're if you're chasing, I think Hernandez is probably the one who's going to get the most looks, just because Moore and Burke are both lefties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. All right, Gray. Uh, as we move to, move on to some waivers here, I did want to ask you just in regards to how you approach kind of the end of the season. We got innings, pitch limits starting to kind of loom over us, especially in shallower leagues. How do you approach the low K starting pitchers? It's fine during the season. You know, you get the numbers, you get the ratios, and you just kind of build those out. But now that we're really getting down to it, if we're looking at, you know, we need a few Ks here or there, are you maybe more selective with the, some of the low K pitchers who have been good lately? Like Merrill Kell has been great. Uh, Cole Irvin, Graham Ashcroft, Spencer Watkins, like these guys aren't sexy, but like they have been putting up good outings. But can you take those outings now that we're we're starting to get to it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably team dependent. Uh, all those guys, I think, are startable in just about any league if the matchups are right. And you're, you know, even I, I mean, you can get K's. Like, you can go and out and get, like, uh, a middle reliever and get Ks, like, get three Ks from a middle reliever and tack that on to a, 
a say a Cole Irving uh, start of three Ks. So if he goes six innings, gets three Ks, and you tack on a middle reliever who gets three Ks, then you you have six Ks. Hey, look at <laughs> look at Gray doing math. I mean, I, I think you can work around the low K uh, starters that. It's not completely debilitating. Uh, yeah, I mean, I have no problem starting them if the matchups are good. Actually, I think I uh, I started Kelly, um, I believe it was Sunday I started him in a, in a league, or maybe it was Saturday, but I started him in a league or two. So, yeah, I, I don't mind it. I think, you know, it's like... In my one in one twelve team uh, twelve team mixed league where I'm I'm doing okay I, I think I'm in third place uh, where I, I have a, a a possibility a long shot but there's a possibility for me to move to first uh, and I have like uh, Merrill Kelly there but I also have like you know Ryan Helsley so it's like the two balance each other out because Helsley just gets so many Ks and has been so great that he balances out Kelly so yeah I think it's I think you can manage to figure it out with uh, a low K starter all right right. uh any any other names you want to throw out there Gray for for the waivers before we get out of here uh so uh Nick Gordon uh Nick Gordon Strange has been hitting well. Uh, Jorge Mateo is actually the top guy on the seven-day player raider. Uh, I just saw that. Um, this is a, as of Monday. Um, Andy Rosario has been great. Uh, Victor Robles. Uh, Lars Nutbar. <laughs> hey, uh, Lars Nutbar. If you're, if you're at Costco, pick up a, a Lars Nutbar while you're there. They have good deals on them. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, I think also Nolan Gorman's been relatively hot. And MJ Melendez, uh, he's been really good. I wish uh, – I, I don't know why he's batting leadoff. <laughs> <laughs> that is a little bit bizarre. If anything, I would actually put Michael Massey at leadoff and move uh, Melendez. Melendez, yeah. Melendez down. Yeah, probably, but, you know, hey. Hey, who's the question, Mike <laughs> Melanthi, right? <laughs> I mean, hey, he's got he's one of the brilliant minds of baseball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'll just uh, – Billy Hamilton, if you're really chasing steals. He's not even getting plate appearances, great, but he's getting steals. He has five steals and six yeah. plate appearances, I believe, in the last week so, or two weeks. Um, so uh, Andre Payante uh, could get back in the rotation because Dakota Hudson has been awful since uh, pretty much the last few starts. Bryce Wilson has actually been pitching well. He's available in a lot of leagues. Austin Voth, since he's got converted to being a starting pitcher, has been pretty solid. He's only going five innings, so quality start leagues, not really a help there. But he's he's been great other than that. Uh, George Kirby has turned it around, so if he got dropped for some reason in your league, uh, Brady Singer and Cal Quantrill, and those are the last names that I have for you out there. So, if as always, if you have specific questions about trades as we get to the deadline, or you're wondering about your rosters, you can give it to us in the comments. You can find us on Twitter. I am at RazBeatOn. Gray is, of course, the at Razball account. So last week I had some technical difficulties, but we will try and get that back on track this week. So the video will be up on YouTube.com/slash. Razball Fantasy. And uh until next week we'll uh we'll talk to you later. See you, Gray. All right, lates.